Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. As we have uh, accelerated our growth recently, there's certainly been um, a lot more focus on root peerages, and that's uh, really, um, you know, really exciting for us. To kind of take you back, you know, we are a um, private company, and as part of our kind of entrepreneurial roots, we looked at different industries for where there was an opportunity to make a difference in in, a, in an industry that was going through some change, where there was opportunity for someone to have a completely different point of view. And so we really value the role of a trusted advisor in this business and look at the um, most precious resource that there is out there, which is human capital. And I think in the real estate brokerage business, I think it's on steroids when you look at the difference between average and above average, it's just so um, exponential. And our roots have really been in uh, professional services businesses, founded on trust, frankly, as, as sort of the main differentiator and harnessing the best human capital that um, that there is out there. And so, you know, we saw an opportunity to uh, provide a home for entrepreneurial leaders who were still very independent, have a long-term path ahead of them, and where we could leverage our expertise to help them accelerate their growth. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You might not recognize the name Gavin Swartzman with Peerage Realty Partners, but you'll probably recognize some of the brands and recent acquisitions they had, including Jameson Sotheby's International Realty, Madison & Co. Properties, and Sotheby's International Realty in Canada. So what I wanted to talk to him about is what is he doing with all of these recent acquisitions? And he talked to me a little bit about how they consider themselves in a house of brands. And so they're, they're not planning on changing the brand names of these brokerages, but they're trying to offer them some tools and backing to take them to the next level. So enjoy the interview with Gavin. He has a really interesting philosophy on the business that I think you will enjoy. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Gavin Swartzman, President and CEO of Peerage Realty Partners and Senior Partner in Peerage Capital. Peerage has been heavy in the real estate M&A, developing what they call a new kind of real estate network. So some of the recent acquisitions include Jameson Sotheby's International Realty, Madison & Co. Properties, Sotheby's International Realty Canada, and Four Seasons Sotheby's International Realty. So welcome, Gavin. Thank you very much for having me, Tracy. Yeah, so I want to first start out by having you tell me a little bit about um, Peerage Realty Partners. I'm sure a lot of our readers have heard about you kind of tangentially, uh, as it relates to some of your recent partnerships. So tell me about your entry into real estate. 
Sure. I think the one thing I will say is, you know, we kind of put our partners' brands first and forward. So um, um, we kind of look at ourselves as a, as a house of brands. So many of the consumers and uh, agents and brokers are very familiar with our actual partners and peerage kind of by design plays you know, a, a role um, kind of in the background, helping these companies grow, which I'll talk to you a little bit more about. But as we have uh, accelerated our growth recently, there's certainly been um, a lot more focus on who peerage is, and that's uh, really, um, you know, really exciting for us. To kind of take you back, you know, we are a um, private company, and as part of our kind of entrepreneurial roots, we looked at different industries for where there was an opportunity to make a difference in, in, a, in an industry that was going through some change where there was opportunity for someone to have a completely different point of view. And so we really value the role of a trusted advisor in this business and look at the um, most precious resource that there is out there, which is human capital. And I think in the real estate brokerage business, I think it's on steroids when you look at the difference between average and above average, it's just so um, exponential. And our roots have really been in uh, professional services businesses founded on trust, frankly, as, as sort of the main differentiator and harnessing the best human capital that, um, that there is out there. And so, you know, we saw an opportunity to uh, provide a home for entrepreneurial leaders who were still very independent, have a long-term path ahead of them, and where we could leverage our expertise to help them accelerate their growth. Okay, great. Um, and, and more and more, we're seeing a lot of private equity buying real estate brokerage firms. So what exactly brought your firm to real estate? You talked a little bit about it, but let's get into a little more detail about that. Well, first of all, I would say that we are not a private equity company in that okay. private equity firms tend to you know, have a window of acquiring companies, bulking them up, and, and ultimately selling them uh, at a big premium. That's really not our focus. We're long-term partners and builders of, of, of long-term growth. And so if you look at our, our track record, you, you, would, you would certainly see that. But what we certainly saw was that, you know, we could bring our financial acumen to the table, our, our strategic uh, expertise. But most importantly, it's, it's our ability to provide a place where entrepreneurs who have started great companies with some of the best brands out there in the business had very little choice as to what they wanted to do other than essentially run the full course of their careers towards retirement. And they kind of deal with it at the, uh, at the very end. Where, where we really see ourselves coming in is with um, partners who have a long-term road ahead of them and are really just catching the wave, frankly, and where they have tons of expertise, lots of ambition, but maybe don't have all the resources that we can bring to bear and kind of make one plus one equal three. And so that's where we saw, you know, and certainly an opportunity from the, the kinds of partners that we're looking for. I think on a more macro basis, you know, we look at, you know, the housing and real estate industry is huge. And there's lots of opportunity for many players in there. We focused on the premium to uh, the higher end of the, uh, of the market. And, and our goal is really to harness the talent that is providing the kind of advice that um, the, um, the buyers and sellers need there. The other, the other area that we are very active in, which uh, may not be um, immediately recognizable unless you look under the covers, is that we're very strong in the pre-construction space. So, you know, as distinguished from resale, what we're talking about here is where our clients are the developers of multi-residential buildings, 
typically condominiums. And in terms of the Canadian marketplace where construction in, in that kind of housing has been uh, you know, off the charts for the last 15 years or so, between all of our different partners, you know, we sell between seven to 10,000 units a year. So we're a very big player in what I would look at as more of a B2B kind of marketplace. In addition to the sort of brokerage businesses, both in uh, pre-construction and resale, we also look at expanding the kinds of services that we can bring to bear to really augment the, the service offerings. And it's not just the typical title and, and uh, mortgage and some of the services. We, we're bringing some really innovative services to the table. For example, we recently partnered with a company that is in the um, multi-residential renovation space that can do renovations at major, major scale, like in the thousands you know, annually. And we see lots of applications where we can take that offering and, and morph it into an, a relevant offering for uh, our resale business. We're also um, about to announce a, you know, a collaboration with our wealth management platform, which involves assisting home buyers in the financing of their homes through like a direct equity co-ownership plan as opposed to them you know, borrowing money from other sources or tapping into the family. So we really look at it quite um, broadly as to what are the different services that are out there? How can we bring them to bear, bringing our unique spin on it, which is really to partner with leading entrepreneurs? Well, tell me a little bit more about the financing, because um, that sounds really interesting. And I know that is a big trend right now um, with Knock is doing bridge loans and, and things like that. So talk to me a little bit more about that. So we'll be announcing it shortly. But you know, in essence, I would be think about it as as uh, not a bridge loan, because it's not a loan at all. It's actually uh, a joint equity ownership in, in the home so that uh, you know the homeowner essentially has an equity partner, which relieves some of the pressure on their side to come up with the, um, the full amount of the down payment that can get a, you know, a, you know, a manageable size mortgage. And so I can, it's, it's going to start in Canada where, you know, not like un, unlike many other jurisdictions, housing prices are really... Um, escalated and affordability is is certainly uh, something that's on everybody's radar and we want to be able to play a role in helping expand home ownership across a broader base of uh, the population. Hmm, that's interesting. I'll be looking forward to that announcement. So, and when you say you're building a new kind of real estate brokerage network, let's go into a little more detail about what that means um, to the brokerage. So the first thing is as I was talking a little bit earlier is it's multi-branded Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have, you know, some of the, you mentioned some of them, some of the, you know, most recognizable names in, in, uh, in, the, in the real estate industry. You know, in addition to the ones you talked about, we have Chestnut Park, which is, you know, a very elite brokerage firm in the greater Toronto area and surrounding communities in the pre-construction space, you know, Baker Real Estate, Fifth Avenue, Epic, the list goes on. So we really look at um, individual markets, What's the right brand that, um, that, that resonates there? And in certain markets where there's enough size and scale, we can actually be in the market with multiple brands, which expands you know, our, our overall market share, but also gives the consumer and agents a lot more choice as to, as to who they uh, do business with. So that's one area. The other one is our partnership model. And I can't stress this enough, is that you know, we are true long-term professional partners where our, our partners have operational autonomy. They're not micromanaged by us. We pick our spots. 
very, very carefully as to uh, you know how we um, add value to them. And as a, as a result, you know, I believe we pick the best people in the business who are at the prime of their career versus um, certainly ones who are either weighted towards retirement or ones who are looking just to simply cash out. And you know, for some people, that's okay, but that's for our model, that's that's not our focus. Okay. Um, and I know you're based in Canada. So what um, what attracts you or what what are what do you view as the opportunities in the US market? So although we're based in Canada, you know, in most of our businesses, we have um, conducted the majority of our, our business in the US. And so when we were looking at the real estate space, while well, we started in Canada, we've been researching and spending many years building our uh, context relationships in the US. And I would expect us to be 75 to 80% US as we roll out our full plan. In the short term, obviously, the um, you know, COVID situation did create a major problem for us because you know, with the border being closed between the two um, countries, it prevented us from traveling and spending face-to-face time with um, our prospective partners. And as, as I mentioned, as I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, cultural affinity is the number one you know, criteria for us you know, in, in terms of really forging these successful partnerships. And so although you can do a lot of work remotely on financial due diligence and all of that sort of stuff, it's a lot more challenging to, uh, to do the, that real cultural chemistry check remotely. So if you uh, keep your ears close to the ground, we're, you know, we've obviously got the border opened up right now. So uh, we're starting to travel again. And we look forward to being able to announce these partners in the near future. Great. Um, and that, that kind of goes into what my next question is, is about growth strategy. Um, where is your focus right now? And what is your what does your strategy look like? And has it changed at all since you started acquiring or partnering with uh, real estate companies? So, you know, the strategy, you know, you always have to be open to uh, adapting your strategy as, as circumstances changes. Um, there are certain, you know, macro factors that I think most players in the space are looking at is in terms of the migratory patterns are definitely top of mind for everybody. There's you know clearly a focus on um, where are things going to settle down between you know urban versus suburban. Um, so we're keeping our ears very close to the ground with respect to focusing our strategies on you know where are people moving to? Where are the niche markets where our kinds of um, firms can dominate. So, you know, if you look, uh, certainly if you were to look at our experience to date, you know, some of these higher end recreational markets are very much where, you know, premium players are highly, highly valued and provide, you know, services that are, um, are, are market leading. But we also have to overlay all of those things with the right chemistry and the right partner, because, you know, the combination of all of these areas is, is really important to us. And then, as I mentioned before, you know, we've got a very wide lens as to how we look at ancillary services that augment the whole, the whole um, service uh, offerings and not just sort of the, the standard stuff that most players realize they need to offer in terms of mortgage title insurance and those kinds of things, but some really innovative uh, services that bring our unique capabilities to bear. So in terms of, of that strategy, where do you feel like the most opportunity is right now? What areas of um, the country? Well, I think, you know, certainly the, you know, we're seeing people moving into uh, markets there where the, the climate is warmer, uh, taxes are lower. Uh, so I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the easy answer. 
Um, I think the more you know complex answer is is kind of looking at you know longer term the uh, you know some of the other trends that there are right now is I think there's even a focus on how people are thinking about climate and those kinds of things. But so I would say that if you think about the Carolinas, Florida, uh, you know we clearly we went into Vermont and New Hampshire recently, which we see as niche markets that are um, you know very much you know. Uh, geared to the higher end where Four Seasons Sotheby's International Realty plays really well. We've also got a lot of um, opportunity on the on the pre-construction space that uh, we're continuing to add there as well. So since you're partnering, um, basically, I think most of these, I'm not sure about Madison and co, but um, obviously Sotheby's and that are, are a traditional type of brokerage model. Are you crossing over into different um, you know, compensation and business models, or are you really looking at that traditional um, model? Well, within each of these businesses, there are a variety of different compensation structures. So, um, so we we kind of look at, you know, you know the, the 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 I guess when people say traditional, they're talking about splits as opposed to fixed fees and and and, and that sort of stuff. You know, we skew towards, you know, um, we believe a split model that aligns interests and we grow together is, you know, is, is more in the, um, you know, how we, how we see the world. The, a lot of these fixed fee structures are really, you know, based on a quantity of agents and having, you know, a very large number of agents. And there's some players that have been super successful in building businesses that have a lot of agents. Um, you know, it's debatable how much business each individual agent does, but obviously the cumulative uh, impact is, uh, you know, is, can, can be quite substantial. Our niche is working more at the premium end where, you know, the average price point and the average number of transactions is, is well above industry average. And that long-term alignment of interest around uh, uh, our, the brokerage and the agent is, is where we play. But that being said, each market has got its own unique um, compensation practices and you have to adapt your, 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 your practices and your offerings to be um, competitive in each market. Yeah, definitely. Um, and are, have you noticed any changes in the brokerage environment that have changed the way you operate now or, or the brokerages in your network operate? Obviously, I asked if there's a change that would cause you to add new services and you just talked about a couple new services that you're you're already looking into adding. So um, talk to me. Well, there's, yeah, it's always changing. You know, I think the most obvious one has clearly been, you know, the shift towards remote working and the uh, the rapid adoption of technology has certainly, you know, there, there's nobody that's that's in business today that hasn't, you know, picked that up, you know, big time, especially with the um, with the advent of uh, of COVID. Um, I would say sort of more broadly, I mean, it's a very competitive market right now. I think anyone in this business has to continue to up their game and provide more value to, to their, their agents and to do so, you know, in a much more efficient manner. Technology just more broadly is obviously on, on everybody's mind. I would say that the way we look at technology as an example is we see it as an enabling tool. Like we will never go out there and say that we are a technology company. We really at our core believe this is a trusted advisory business and that the technology is there to help and enable our agents to provide the best advice that they can to their uh, to their clients. And that the more complicated the world becomes, the more they need that advice. And obviously the, um, you know, the range of tools that we need to provide 
increases as well. But but we believe it's it's the advice first, the tools is secondary. You know, and I can tell you that you know when we um, you know when our, you know one of our you know businesses we've been involved in the past was in the marketing services space, and you know this is sort of speaks to what I believe is sort of the quality of of talent. You know, if you went to every ad agency's website, you'll never see an agency that says, you know, we're not creative, we're not strategic, you know, and we'll diminish your market share. Like they all basically say we're creative, strategic, we'll help you increase your market share. Most of the technology, they're using either the exact same technology or some readily available alternative. So the question is, how come some firms just consistently year after year outperform their peers in the kinds of results they generate for their clients and their and their ability to grow their businesses. And it always comes down to the quality of the talent. And so uh, and they're able to win the trust of, of their clients with their most their most precious asset, which is their brand. And so that's the learning that we've taken into, into the real estate industry at large is we're really focused on the talent and the advice that they're providing to their uh, their clients. Sorry for the long-winded answer. But no, no, that was very, really it's, it's very important to us because I think that um, there's so much change happening in the industry and so much of this happening so fast. It's really easy to lose perspective mm-hmm. of the business that, that we're truly in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen that, that happen over and over again too when the next shiny object appears and yeah so yeah it's i mean i can tell you just to, not to harp on the marketing services side i joined the real estate industry in 2014 coming from mm-hmm. over 10 years in marketing services so the first couple of real estate conferences that i went to you know the presenters were holding up their smartphones like kryptonite you know like yeah. we've just discovered something the future you know is in mobile and I was going, wow, in the ad space, we've been talking about mobile for like five years. Like, like this is like not new news. But, you know, certainly to this industry, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a, um, a slow adopter of technology. Um, and to its credit, though, there's been a lot of it that has occurred, you know, most recently. And I think that, uh, you know, we're certainly seeing incredible innovations that are, uh, that are coming to bear. And I think some of it's great because I think it's... Um, there's a lot of non-value added areas that make the transaction more complicated and stressful for agents and and their and their clients. I think tackling that space is obviously hugely important, and um, we look forward to seeing you know all the other innovations that come to bear. But we're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask you about opportunities in real estate, but I also want to ask you first. I'm going to throw a new question at you. When it comes to the competitive landscape, you know, there are always going to be threats to your business model, you know, the, the broker's business model who are under your network to, to all different ones. But what what is your opinion on that? What advice do you have for brokers who are continually, you know, feeling these threats and feeling the pressure on, on commissions um, and, you know, gross margins and you know, what, what advice do you have for them? I, I, because I think there's room for all different business models in the industry. Um, but I'm curious to know what you, what you have to say about that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked it. I mean, I, we're the, we're not the kind of company that dismisses challenges and threats and goes, you know, it's uh, you know, we just keep soldiering on. I think we're very conscious of, um, you know, this is a very competitive industry. There's a lot, there, there, there is a lot of changes uh, taking place. 
you know, and, and obviously the one that, as you were just mentioning, is there has been this, um, this move over a number of years, I can tell you, even from when we first started looking at um, entering the U.S. in particular, margin compression has been, you know, a, a, a huge trend. I think, you know, sort of going back to the, what we're talking about, shiny new objects and all of that sort of stuff, you really have to be very disciplined about your value proposition, what you stand for, and really stay focused on that. You can't be all things to all people. And so you really have to try to resist the temptation to try to copy everybody, but learn from the things that maybe you, you can adapt to. So I think the most important thing is you've got to help your agents do more business and help them make their lives more efficient and, and frankly, provide an environment where they're, they're happy to be part of so that the conversation isn't always about price, price, price. It's about value. And if you can demonstrate that value, you know, our belief is that people will pay for value if they believe they're getting that in return. If they don't, then you, all you can do is compete on price. And, and then you're, you're, you know, you're competing against others who may be better equipped to operate that way because they've designed their business from, from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, good advice. Uh, yeah. so and, and, and so in, in Peerage's world, the other great thing we have is we've got an incredible and growing network of fellow CEOs, right? So all of our partners are really close to each other and communicate with each other all the time. So we're sharing a lot of ideas amongst our partners, which really creates a great environment because they're in a sort of a safe environment where they're, you know, they're all part of Peerage for a reason. And they uh, are generally not competing with each other, but we're all here to help each other. And so they do get access to some, some pretty interesting ideas that are from respected sources who they can you know, really get the full goods from. Because a lot of times when people are looking at someone else's business, they don't really know everything that's going on. They just kind of pick their spots. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge advantage, and you know, for the brokers to be able to freely kind of share that information, um, for sure. So when we look at the real estate market in general, not necessarily for M&A, but for opportunities for real estate brokers in the industry, um, where do you see those biggest opportunities and where do you see the biggest challenges? Well, I think there are many ways there are two sides. There, there are two sides of the same coin. You know, uh, we still see on the opportunity side that you know home ownership is a uh, is a still a very very critical part of the economy it's an important part of people's of people's lives and while there's incredible innovation and choice like we were just talking about we still see the fundamental opportunities to help guide people you know through that process with the right professionals um, you know, facing the consumer the, the the flip side on the challenges is you know clearly you've got a much more educated consumers. So, you know, predates my, my time in the industry, but I know that from speaking to people who've been in the industry a lot longer than us, then I have having information itself was your value, your value proposition. They just didn't know, uh, you know, what was on the market and all that sort of stuff. We all know that that's, you know, that's, that's gone by the wayside. So, so the, the, the real opportunity is providing that advice, making that transaction smoother and, and de-stressing what is typically a, um, a stressful situation for, for most consumers. And I think that you know, the, the challenge for the industry at large is to make sure that we are providing you know, a relevant value-added offering in the eyes of the consumer. 
because we often spend a lot of time talking about ourselves. You know, uh, most real estate uh, conferences speak a lot about tools and agents and, um, you know, lead generation and, and all this, this um, stuff that, you know, in many ways commoditizes a very personal experience for most consumers that are, that are in the space. And, and I think we need to focus more and more on, on that consumer and what are they looking for and what you know, is valuable to them. Everybody's expectations are going up and they're expecting to pay less. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, you know, from accommodations to computers to you name it. But if you look at the most successful players, uh, you know, in the space, they tend to be able to still maintain above average industry pricing by offering a better product to their consumer. And that's, you know, what I see as the challenge and the opportunity for, for anyone that's in this field. Yeah, definitely. And um I want to end with a, a question I ask everyone that who I interview, and that is, what does the future hold for your firm? So we're very excited about the future. We have an incredible uh, partner group. You know, we've actually expanded significantly. We've added six new partners uh, just, just this year. We're extremely well um, funded and capitalized. We're private, so we have no outside investors. So we have the flexibility to act really, really quickly. And the patience that we also don't need to do anything just for the sake of doing it. We have yeah. nobody to prove uh, anything to. Our, our model is really starting to gain traction right now as, as people really start to see, you know, what, what does this partnership model look like? And so the, um, the inbound pipeline of companies looking to talk to us is exceeding, you know, all of our expectations. And so, we're expecting significant growth and, you know, we've got a really great pathway to that uh, as well as, you know, continuing to bring innovative uh, new services and, uh, and, and then go into new markets. So we're super excited about the industry as a whole, but in particular for where peerage fits into it overall. Well, thank you, Gavin. This was um, really an interesting interview and coming from a different perspective than, than most brokerages or brokerage leaders. Um, so thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. To stay up to date on the current trends in the industry, subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.